Good morning. Welcome to Bethany Lutheran in Warren, Oregon. Today I'm preaching from the book of John, chapter 17, verses 1 through 11. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Attending church in Kentucky, a couple watched an especially verbal and boisterous child being hurried out, slung under an irate father's arm. No one in the congregation so much as raised an eyebrow until the child captured everyone's attention by crying out in a charming Southern accent, y'all pray for me now. Well, our gospel lesson for today is about Jesus praying for his followers, for us. Several times in scripture, we read that Jesus went off to pray alone. We're not told what he said when he prayed. Other times, Jesus taught his disciples how to and how not to pray. But here, Jesus prays for his disciples in their presence. And John recorded for us the actual words Jesus prayed for his followers. Think how excited people get when someone discovers a recording that until then no one knew existed. It might be President Kennedy on the phone with Nikita Khrushchev. Or maybe it's an old newsreel of an interview with Gandhi or Churchill. Historians gain valuable insight into a given era when they uncover conversations like these. Here we have 
the record of an intimate moment between Jesus and the Holy Father. The setting is at the end of the Last Supper before the group departed for the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus would be arrested and the next day be crucified. Here Jesus prays in the presence of his disciples. This text is the beginning of the prayer in which he prays for himself, his disciples, and for all believers. It can be dangerous to overhear a conversation. You may hear things you wish you could unhear, but sometimes when you overhear a conversation, you hear people you love saying really wonderful things about you. And when that happens, you feel great. As we study this prayer, we have every reason to feel great. A few verses before this prayer, Jesus tells his disciples that they are about to be scattered into the world and that they will desert him. The last verse of chapter 16 is, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not think I would be able to take heart in what he said. I would be stuck on, in this world you will have trouble. And I think that is why Jesus lets his disciples and us overhear his prayer to God the Father. First, we hear that God gave Jesus authority over all flesh. This marks the beginning of a new era. See, until now, everything, prayers, pleas for help, confessions, seeking forgiveness and restoration, all went to and through God. Now, Jesus has all authority. He offers forgiveness and salvation through his sacrifice. In the end, he will judge the living and the dead. We face a hostile world, but the good news of this prayer is that we don't face it alone. We have no less than the sovereign God of the universe on our side. Jesus is about to face utter humiliation, shame, abuse, pain, and death. And this is precisely when he asks God to glorify him. Jesus had been in total glory before time began, until 33 years before this moment. He set it all aside to do the Father's work. Now in his prayer to God, he says, I glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. God was glorified by Jesus' efforts to reclaim God's people. This reminds me of the old Western movies when someone like John Wayne or Jimmy Stewart would spend months, even years, trailing a Comanche or Apache raiding party to retrieve a woman or a child who'd been kidnapped and enslaved. They would endure hardships and risk their lives to redeem that missing person. Likewise, Jesus made it his mission to redeem mankind from the evil one. But it was even more personal. 
verse six says, God gave you to Jesus. This is his own family that he's rescuing, that he is redeeming. And he did so knowing it could only be done by forfeiting his life for theirs. Let us remember that Jesus died for all. He died for those who want an escape from the evil of the world, but realize they cannot break loose by their own efforts. And he died for those who do not know they need saving. Most surprising is that Jesus also died for those who declare they do not want to be separated from the ways of the world. Christ does not pray that we might be rich or great in the world, but that we might be kept from sin, strengthened for our duty, and brought safe to heaven. Jesus never was of the world. For a time, he was incarnated. That is, he lived and died in the world. He was resurrected by the Father and ascended to the Father, where he was restored to his former glory. Verse 11, And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. We believers live in Christ, yet we are still in this world. We will be tempted by the world. We may be harmed by the evil of it. We may be threatened, ostracized, and criticized by the world. But Jesus is way ahead of all of that. Jesus asked God the Father to protect us. We are protected by the power of God's name, the name he also gave to Jesus. So what is that name that Jesus and the Father share? Well, God tells us in scripture that his name is I Am. This is an all-encompassing name. But what does it mean? Well, Jesus gave some specific examples of what I Am includes. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. What do we need? Christ has it covered. Verse 3 gives us a definition of eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The disciples had heard of the resurrection. That was known well before Jesus spoke of it. But they did not have a good idea of what the phrase eternal life meant. So Jesus defined it for them. Eternal life is to know God and Jesus. Is it that simple? What does it mean to know God? To know God in the Gospel of John is synonymous with being in a relationship with God. To be in a relationship with someone implies an intimate knowledge of that person. How do we have an 
intimate relationship with God, we cannot even see him. As disciples of Christ, we are to continue Christ's work and mission in this world. Jesus is counting on us to be his presence here in his stead, but working for him is not enough. We need to take time to read, to listen to and study our Bibles. God lays out what he will do for us, what he expects from us, what will please him and what will anger him. Like any other relationship, we need to be in conversation if we are going to know and understand the other person. Well, how do we have a conversation with someone we cannot see or cannot audibly hear? Well, the more we pray to God about everything in our lives, the more we will feel at one with him. As we turn to him more frequently, we will instinctively know what he expects from us. That is hearing him. Centuries ago, having already received the gift of eternal life, but living with persecution all around them, the first disciples needed to hear that they would endure. Today, we too are a people tossed and torn by factions, illnesses, disputes, and even torments. We can forget that we are already a forever people and a forever church. And so we regularly gather to be reminded, forgiven, and empowered by the hearing of the word, by sharing a holy meal together, and by praying for each other. We are a people of glory protected by the power and love of God. Let us live into this glory and never forget it. Thanks be to God.